Good morning and Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you came and joined to worship with us today. What a great day to declare our praise and, and our thanks to God for the gift of His Son, Jesus. What an awesome day. We've come to celebrate the babe in the manger who gives us all hope. Aren't you glad that He came as Emmanuel to be God with us? Amen. Amen. He's not just some ominous being out there, but He came and desired to live among us, to be resident with us, have a relationship with us. And that's just amazing. And that is so worth celebrating on this Christmas morning. And it's become our tradition the last couple of years for the pastoral staff and members of our families to lead the candlelight service. So today, everyone you see on the platform is either one of the pastors of Calvary Temple or one of their family members. And it's our delight to share this service with you today. So why don't we begin by standing and let's sing together Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive a King. Let Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world. With truth and grace And makes the nations prove The glories of His righteousness And wonders of His love And wonders of His love And wonders, wonders of His love Amen, amen. You may be seated. During the Advent season, we've been following a booklet entitled, What Are We Waiting For? It's a book of daily Advent prayers for the family. And, and I know a number of you have been using these booklets over the past number of days and weeks. And today we come to our final reading, our Christmas Day reading. And it's a reflection about the shepherds. But first it begins with a verse from the prophet Isaiah. He wrote this, For a child has been born for us, and a son is given. And the invitation given to us today is this. In Jesus, Almighty God has become known to us. Let us open our hearts to Him today and always. And the passage is a familiar one. In Luke 2, it says this. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Imagine being one of those shepherds, taking turns, watching over the sheep at night. The sudden appearance of an angel wrapped in the glory of the Lord would be frightening indeed. But the message the angel brought from the Lord was, first of all, do not be afraid. As marvelous and powerful as God is, we do not need to be afraid to listen to His words, to follow Him in faith, or to open our hearts to His love. This is the message of Christmas. We don't need to be afraid anymore. And what a great message of hope and peace. What a great thought to reflect on. And maybe you're here this morning and you realize that this message is the message you need to hear today. You do not need to be afraid anymore. Dear Lord, you have reached out to us. We ask that you help us to receive you every day of our lives so that we might live forever in your love. Thank you that because you came, we do not need to be afraid anymore. ask you to stand with me again and let's sing the first Noel. with one 
theme for our service this morning on Christmas Day is a Christmas card. The Christmas card has been around for a long time. And here's what one card said that I read. The best of all gifts around any Christmas tree is the presence of a happy family all wrapped up in each other. Isn't that a great, great line? The first printed card sent by post was sent at Christmas in 1843. Sir Henry Cole commissioned John Calcutt to paint a picture showing the feeding and clothing of the poor. And printed on the card was these words, A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. So the Christmas card tradition began. Since then, billions and billions of cards have been mailed and hand-delivered, and each containing a goodwill verse. I wonder how many Christmas cards already that you've received this Christmas, and maybe their stomach's still in the mail. How many Christmas cards have you already given out or sent? Maybe you text some or tweeted some or Facebook some. But the purpose is to express our best wishes to people that we know. And isn't it true that we get so touchy and feely and warm at Christmas time? And I think that's good for all of us. Brings that good out of us to share with each other. In every Christmas card, there's a message. And you want yours to be from your heart to someone that's very, very special to you. And it takes an awful long time to pick out the perfect Christmas card. Have you noticed when you go to department stores and you look at the Christmas card rack and there's all kinds of cards there and along with all kinds of cards, there's all kinds of people and there they stand. They pick one card up, they put it back. They pick another card up. You see them reading it. They put it back. They want to find the very, very perfect, it's not just any card from them, but they want to find the very, very perfect card for them that they can give to somebody else. Will it be funny? Will it be short? Will it be long? Will it be expensive? Will it be cheap or inexpensive, I should say? Now, here's the difference between a man and a woman. You want to know the difference? Here it is. When men go to the Christmas card rack and they look at the Christmas card, the first thing they look at is what? The price. And I do mine very, very discreetly so nobody sees me. So when I pick that card, I do it up very slowly and do that. And then so nobody will think, I don't put it back, it's too much. I continue to read it, but my mind's already made up. That's the difference between a man and a woman. See, a man looks at that and says, $9.99? That's a jug of car oil that I could give to somebody. Merry Christmas. Here's a jug of car oil for your vehicle. Men are just so practical, aren't we? So practical at times. But when you get a Christmas card, you know a lot of thought has gone into it. And a lot of pain from the men. And that's what makes them so special to us because someone gave you part of themselves. Christmas card. And so this is our church family. And as pastors, we want you to know how special that you are to us. So each of us have 
put together a Christmas card from us to you that we wanted to share with our family this morning. It's our hopes and our prayers for you, and we want to share them through at our service this morning. My card comes to you from Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, where I read these words, there was no room for them in the inn. No room for them in the inn. No room for the birth of Jesus. No room for Jesus to be born. No room for Jesus to be the center place. No room for Jesus to be admired and stared at. No room for Jesus in the busyness of life. No room to hold Jesus in close to their hearts. So my prayer, my hope for you is this. Make room for Jesus, not only in your Christmas, but in your entire life. No room. Those are devastating words. We know what it's like to be traveling on the highway and we end our day maybe just shortly after supper and we go to try to find room in a hotel. We know what it's like to hear the clerk across from the desk say, sorry, no room. That's an awful devastating feeling. It's a cold feeling. It's we're left outside. We've got to find a place. Imagine how Jesus felt when they said, there's no room. And when we say today, there's no room for you, no room in my life. The Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. He came to his own. That still applies today. Christians, the church, we're the ones that should be receiving Jesus. But so many times, there's no room for Jesus. No room for Jesus. We need to be reminded. And Jesus wants to birth new things in your life this year. Just think of it. Brand new things, new dreams. He wants to birth a new purpose, new desire, new spiritual gifts, new ministry gifts, a new level of spirituality. He wants to birth something fresh and new in your life this year. Please make room for Jesus. Don't squeeze him out, but push self and flesh aside and make room for the Lord of Lords. Desire him to be born in your heart over and over and over and over again. And maybe that's what the writers of O Little Town of Bethlehem meant when they wrote these words, cast out our sin and enter in. And then they said this, be born in us today. Today and every day, be born in us. Make room for Jesus to be born in you. Merry Christmas from my family to yours today. Let's sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by, yet in thy dark streets shine the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of Christ is born of Mary and Gabriel. 
gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. Oh, morning stars together proclaim the holy birth, and praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So Lord, that's our prayer this morning. Be born in us. Abide in us. Lord, you desire to be birthed in us day after day after day. Thank you, God, for this special service that we can have together this Christmas day. Thank you for the beautiful sense of Jesus, the Christ child, amongst us, here, with us, ministering to us. And for some this morning... It's very, very meaningful to them as they cherish this little baby born in a manger that comes to help them through their troubles because some may be here and there's issues they're dealing with, but Lord, you're here to be born in them, to make a difference in them and to transform their lives as we face a brand new year. So Lord, we worship the King. We celebrate the King. In your name, in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. This morning, when you came in, the new, let me remind you of a couple of things in our newsletter. But before I do that, I want to welcome all those that are guests this morning, visiting with us from in town or out of town. We're privileged to have you with us. If you'd like to, please, and we invite you to take this white card, the guest card, fill it out. You can either place it in the offering plate when it comes by in a moment, or you can take it to the Welcome Center in the foyer. And the person at the Welcome Center will give you a booklet that will introduce you to the different ministries of our church. And it will also give you a special gift from Calvary Temple. It's a joy to be found in God's house. And I was thinking this morning, this, is, does, this really isn't Christmas in Brandon. This is unusually warm. Is it Christmas in Bahamas? <clears throat> Not quite. But it sure is nice to enjoy the sunshine and the warmth. How many agree with that? Christmas in Brandon. Very, very special this year. Make use and then may you have a great day today. Uh, a reminder of a couple of things. Next Sunday, our New Year's Day service begins at 10 o'clock. 
10 o'clock next Sunday morning. And then on Sunday, January the 8th, we begin and we go back to two Sunday morning services at 9.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m. And a couple other announcements regarding our offering This before the ushers come. This is the last Sunday of 2011. And so take note of that for income tax purposes. And also we have a point of sale machine in the foyer. And there's instructions there if you'd like to use that. And uh, you can read that. Also, there's a special note in our newsletter from our treasurer. Would you please read that? It has to do with our offerings as we come to the end of this year. Thank you for your incredible giving over this past year. We are certainly privileged and blessed. Ushers, would you come and receive the offering this morning, the last time for 2011. And next Sunday, it's 2012. Ushers, you can come. Let's pray for the offering as it's received this morning. Thank you, Lord, this morning for this tremendous time together. Bless this offering as we give it to you. It's for your work. It's so that many may experience Jesus Christ in their lives. And many have because of the ministry that goes forward and flows from our church. And God, we're blessed. Thank you for the support of your people this morning. In your name, amen. Jesus asleep in 
Jesus asleep in the Martin Ruther wrote uh, the words to that, that song with children specifically in mind. It was considered a children's Christmas carol. Some have even called it a lullaby. And Christmas is a special time of year, but it seems especially exciting for the children. They wait with such anticipation. They count down the days until school is out, and they count down the days until Christmas or Christmas, Christmas Eve or Christmas morn, and they just get to open those gifts and those presents. And we're thankful for the children that are here this morning. We really had no idea how many would be here uh, with Christmas falling on a Sunday today, but we're so happy that you joined with us and your families today to be with here. And we have something for all the children. If you're brave enough to come up here and join us, we have a candy bag for you, all the children. And we'll even do some of the youth if you guys want to come as well too. I think we have plenty here. So all the kids, come join us. Let's come down here, Jim. And we got a candy bag for you. You can grab one out of here. We're so thankful that you guys came. And Merry Christmas to you guys. Merry Christmas. Last call, all children. Hey, I saw that. My Christmas card to you today comes from Luke chapter 2. It's a passage about the shepherds. And I already read to you the first verses during the Advent reading. The shepherds were tending their sheep just outside of Bethlehem, and an angel appeared to them in the middle of the night and said, Don't be afraid. I have great news. A Savior has been born. And the angel continued, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I love the fact that the account of the shepherds was included in the Christmas story. Shepherds were of humble profession, maybe even considered simple folk. They were commoners, just everyday people trying to make an honest living. 
They wouldn't be afraid to get a little dirty at times, and they weren't afraid of a hard day's work. And perhaps in many ways you find yourself able to relate to these lowly shepherds, the common everyday people. But it was this group of people that God chose to be the first ones to hear the news that he had sent his son into the world to be the Savior. I can just sense God smiling as he watched the reaction of the shepherds. His long-awaited plan for the redemption of the world was beginning to unfold, and he was sharing it with, of all people, a group of shepherds. I love what the shepherds did. They went, they left that place where they were, and they went into Bethlehem to find the child that they had been told about. And we don't know how long they stayed, or what they did, or what they said to Mary and Joseph. I don't know if they lined up and each took a moment holding Jesus in their arms. I don't know if they laughed or cried. I'm sure it wasn't the first guests that Mary and Joseph were expecting after the birth of their first child. We don't know how, we don't know much about them. We aren't given any names. We don't hear about them ever again. But you get the feeling from the story that somehow they they understood that there was some deep significance to what had just taken place. That they were the first witnesses of something great and wonderful. And somehow they knew that nothing would ever be the same again. And I love the fact that these shepherds weren't quiet. They immediately began telling people what they had seen and what they had witnessed and what they had experienced. And I'm sure as they told and retold their story, the story itself began to transform their own lives. With each retelling, they realized how blessed they were. They were the first evangelists telling people about the good news that a Savior had been born and that there is hope for the world. Verse 20 says that they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. They had hearts of gratitude. That's a heart that is thankful and grateful. As I look back over this year, I have so many things that I am thankful for. I can look back and see God's hand on my life. I haven't any angels talk to me, but God has proven himself to be faithful over and over again in my life. I see and witness his blessing all around me. My relationship with God is something that continues to grow deeper as time goes on. And that's my prayer for you today. That like the shepherds, you'd be able to reflect on the goodness of God in your life. Maybe 2011 was a good year for you. Maybe there were parts of 2011 that you'd like to forget. Regardless of the year that we've experienced, God is still God. He still loves us. He's still looking after us. And we still have so much to be thankful for. And I pray that you'd be able to look back on this past year and just begin to glorify God and praise His name for who He is and His faithfulness to you. May this time of year cause you to reflect on how good God is. And secondly, a prayer for you, and I can include myself in this prayer, is that we won't keep silent. But like the shepherds, be quick to tell others of the love of God that we have found. My prayer is that like the shepherds, we would be witnesses and evangelists, telling people about the goodness of God. My prayer is that our relationship with Jesus is so real that as we go out and live our lives in this city and in this community, at our places of work, in our schools, in the marketplace, that wherever we would go, that others would see Jesus in us. And we'd be bold enough to share that Jesus with them. That's my prayer for you this Christmas as we venture together into 2012. I sign off my Christmas card by saying Merry Christmas to you from myself, my wife Heidi, my children Evan and Victoria. Merry Christmas. Cher is going to join me right now. We have a duet we'd like to sing for you.
came upon the midnight clear that glorious song of old from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold peace on the Christmas card comes to you from the passage in Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I wanted to use a cute little prop today, but I think he's sleeping. You don't want to come up? Can you just stand and let everybody see him? This is my son Hurley that some guy's holding. No, I'm just kidding. That's my husband Jim. 
This is Hurley, and he's three months old, and he's the cutest baby you'll ever see. And mom had to come early this morning, and dad got him all ready in his Christmas outfit. How proud of you are, uh, proud of dad are you? Come on. And now I know you can do it. Yay. Okay, thanks, son. Everybody knows what Hurley looks like, right? Since having Hurley, I have really been thinking about love, about how much love I have for him and how it was instant. I have a very protective instinct when it comes to Hurley, and no one better threaten my son or you look out, including my husband. (laughs) It's hard for us to love unconditionally in our human state. We make it so much about how we feel and if people deserve it or not, or how we feel about the person or what they do to deserve it. But they say being a parent comes as close to unconditional love as you can get. And I now know what they mean. The love I have for Hurley is indescribable. I'd like to think that I am a loving and giving person. And I'd like to think that I would risk my life for any of you. If there was a fire in this building right now, I would like to think that I would come back for you and for you and I would risk my life for you. But I'd like you to know that today, I will not risk my life for you because I will not risk Hurley's life for you. So today, if there's a fire, you better have the exits picked out on your own because I'm taking care of my son and you take care of yourself. (laughs) That got me thinking. How much does God love us that he gave his only son to die? Think about that. That's what Christmas represents. God's unconditional love for us. I really feel that there are some here today that have never allowed themselves to be loved by God. To experience the unconditional love of a God who not only gave his life, but gave his only son's life. John 4, 9 and 10 says, In this, the love of God was made manifest manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the payment for our sins. We don't have to get clean. We don't have to make any promises to God before we can experience his love. His love for us has always existed. And because of that, he did all the giving and sacrificing long before we were even aware we needed his love. God is love. And his love is very different from human love. God's love is unconditional. It's not based on feelings or emotions. He doesn't love us because we're lovable or because we make him feel good. He loves us because he is love. He created us to have a loving relationship with him and he sacrificed his own son who willingly died to restore that relationship. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. My prayer for you is that you will include yourself in the whoever believes part. Whether you have done that at one time or whether it's your first time today, whether you have had relationship with God your whole life or you will start today, I challenge you to allow yourself to look at God's love in a brand new way. Allow yourself to feel what he feels for you and know that God demonstrated a love for you that is unmatched. 
in that while you were still a sinner, his son, Jesus Christ, died to save you from your sins so that you could experience a love like no other. So may you look at Christmas in a brand new way. May you let that love in. Think of the indescribable way that I love Hurley in my humanness. And may you see that God's love is even greater for you. Not just the person sitting next to you, but you. Merry Christmas to you and your family from Jim, Hurley, and myself. Let's stand together and sing another Christmas carol. What child is this?
Okay, well, my Christmas card to you today comes from Luke chapter 1, verses, starting at verse 26, and I'll read for you, and I'm sure this is familiar to most. It's the account of Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to, to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And just earlier in that same chapter in Luke, we are also told another story, the story of the priest Zechariah. He was an old man, and his wife being old as well, and she had never been able to conceive a child. They had obviously prayed about this for many, many years, and it looked to them like no response from heaven. At the time of, of the story, Zechariah was fulfilling a priestly duty in the temple when an angel appeared to him with this message from God, that his wife would conceive a son and would be born to them. They were to call his name John. The angel went on to describe the life of John being the forerunner to Jesus. At this point, Zechariah asked the angel a question. How can I be sure of this, he said. I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. which is a pretty honest question. So there's a lot of similarities between the two stories, Mary's story and Zachariah's story. Both Zachariah and Mary received messages delivered actually by the same angel of the Lord named Gabriel. Both messages were about miraculous conceptions. Both recipients were frightened when they realized that they were receiving a message from the Lord, as I'm sure I would be in that case as well. In both cases, the angel Gabriel tells them not to be afraid. In both cases, they were told about the soon-to-be-expected births and how they expe- um, the expected life would play out in God's overall big plan. In both cases, they were told what to name the expected child. There's a lot of similarities between Zachariah's story and Mary's story, but there are some differences. Don't forget it was this priest Zachariah in the story, the one who had studied and taught others regularly the faithfulness of God. He knew the scriptures. He knew of other recorded miraculous births told in the, in the Old Testament, like Abraham and Sarah. He was, he was the honored priest burning incense in the temple, praying for the salvation of the world at the time of this angelic visit. And when this priest had the message delivered personally by the angel Gabriel, he doubted what the angel was telling him. In verse 19, we read of Gabriel's response, the angel's response to the priest Zechariah. He's, this is Gabriel's response. He said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to you to speak to you and tell you of this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. So Mary was probably, on the other hand, a young girl, maybe 14 or 15 years old, maybe even younger, we don't know. Let's keep reading in Luke and find out Mary's response. Mary asked the angel, but how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. 
the angel the angel replied the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you so the baby born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of god what's more your relative elizabeth has has become pregnant in her old age people used to say she was barren but she's already in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with god and this is my very favorite part of the whole Christmas story. Verse 38, Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. We will never know, at least not in this life, if Mary was the first one to to even receive this offer from the Lord. We will never know if God's offer had been rejected before. What we do know is that Mary could have rejected the announcement. I'm sure I'm sure Mary may have had many ideas and expectations about what her life would be like. We all do. We do know that she was expecting to marry Joseph, and then this angel shows up with this message from God that lays out a whole different future for her, a different plan for her life. To say this was to, going to complicate her life is, is a very small thing to say. These, are, these stories that we read are not really stories about Mary and Zachariah. It's really God's story. It's all about his will and his plan coming into being. We do, however, get to read about human response to the will of God and the will that God invites us to be a part of. We get to learn from others how to best fit into the plan of God. Mary is the ultimate example of a life yielded to God's purpose. My prayer for you today is also my prayer for myself. I pray that we will, like Mary, live our lives yielded to God's purposes, that we would walk in submission to God, realizing that true worship and true adoration means giving God control. From Jerry, myself, and our family, we do wish you a very Merry Christmas. Let's just stay seated as we sing this next carol together. Silent night. Heavenly hosts in us. 
Some people to say uh, they came from Babylon, but that's all speculation. What we do know is that they did not come from Israel. Uh, they came from a land to the east, a land probably that probably did not have the benefit of the Torah, uh, the Old Testament in general, the books of Moses. But they were very interested in finding God. God guides those who seek Him. For the wise men, they looked for God in the stars, and God honored their pursuit. This is a great example of what Jesus would later say in his life in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. God always goes the extra mile and speaks our language. For the wise men, the stars was their language. That's what they understood. That's what made sense to them. What is your language? Be confident that God speaks it. Be confident that God will go the extra mile to communicate with you and meet with you. My prayer for you is that you will be confident in your pursuit of God this Christmas and that you will believe Jesus when he says, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find. Both uh, Kelsey and I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes, my son is in Calgary today for Christmas with his wife's family. Stand with me this morning. As we close our service, and we're going to sing Angels We Have Heard on High.
And that's our Christmas card to you this morning. Thank you for spending your Christmas morning hour with us that we can share together our hopes, our dreams, and our prayers for you for this Christmas and the new year that is ahead. Father, I thank you today for us being able to be together. Thank you for the prayers and the blessings that we can have for one another. Lord, those are words of life. The Bible speaks about sharing together words of life. The Bible speaks about building up one another. And Lord, we just want to build up the saints this morning, this Christmas day. We want them to treasure in their hearts the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ. The difference that he can make and has made and will make in the future, in the days ahead, in their lives. Thank you, God, that we can spend this hour together. I pray your blessing upon us as we go our ways today. Continue celebrations as we meet with family and friends, relatives, some that we haven't seen for a long time. We're going to get together. We're going to go from home to home, and there's going to be lots of good fellowship. And thank you, God, for the fellowship and the sharing that we can have together. We are social beings. We need each other. So we bless you for this time we could spend together this morning. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. The Lord bless you. Have a very, very Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming this morning.